Welcome to the Upper 90 Football Podcast, providing American coverage and opinions on all things football. I'm Justin Ruderman. And I'm Garrett Post. And firstly, we would like to apologize for this episode being delayed a couple days. I've been fighting off a cold, so we decided it would be best to wait until after this week's UCL fixtures were played. So we will be covering a dramatic week from MLS, the Premier League, and a full uh, UCL match week. So we can start off with the game between our two clubs, Garrett, in the MLS, my club LAFC and your club San Jose Earthquakes played each other uh, this weekend. And your club came out with a 2-0 victory. Very, very big victory for you guys uh, in the playoff race uh, and, and a big loss for us in the playoff race. Um, just quickly, my thoughts on this game. Um, I mean, a very poor performance from LAFC, of course. Um, I... I really had a problem with what I would describe as a rotating six between uh, Pancho Ginella and Daniel Chrysostomo. He, Chrysostomo has been all right. I think it was one of his better games that he's played, if not his best game that he's played for us, um, because he normally plays for Las Vegas Lights in the USL. But I, I understand a lot of LAFC fans have the problem of Chrysostomo over uh, Bryce Duke. They should believe Bryce Duke should be starting over him. However, I understand why uh, Bob does it, because he, Bryce Duke is a is is a uh, number 10 and so he's not going to play at the number eight but the problem yeah. is the problem is is chrysostomo is also a six and so is poncho ginella so when you put them both on the field you you need to tell one of them to be the six and one of them to be the eight even if they're more defensive um we had what i called again a rotating six because at times ginella was there at times chrysostomo was there and it seemed almost just whoever fell in that position um which ended up hurting us uh san jose were really good on the counterattack. we had so much space opened up um and you know it, it didn't work out for us in the end so from the san jose perspective garrett uh what did what do you think of this result well the result obviously is massive um you know our, our playoff hopes are you know kind of stretched a bit thin right now we needed to win this game and we did um i mean it was pretty evenly matched you know looking at the stats three shots on target to two in favor of lafc 52 percent possession to 48 percent in, in favor of LAFC. Um, but the fact of the matter is that we took advantage. We punished you for your mistakes. I think, you know, the Benji Kikanovich goal in the third minute is a perfect example of that. It, it was a bad um, back pass. I forget who it was, who it was from. And then, and then trophies just slides Kikanovich through, goes around Romero and slots it in. Um, and then the same thing with, with uh, Chofis' goal in the second half where, you know, it could have easily been cleared. Instead it falls to Chofis in the box and he makes no mistake. Obviously, he's been in just an insane run of form, making three MLS Team of the Weeks in a row. Um, so, yeah, it's a really big result for us. Um, would I say that we deserve to win 2-0? Maybe not. But the fact of the matter is that we were clinical. We punished you for your mistakes, and, and you did not have the cutting edge, and you couldn't do that to us. And that's what separated the two teams in this game. Absolutely. I think very well described. And it leaves uh, LAFC in eighth place. And... Um, San Jose in 10th, but I say that it tells you how close because they're both on 33 points. There's three teams now on 33 points, uh, LAFC, Vancouver, and San Jose, all right behind that seventh spot of RSL in seventh place uh, on 36 in that last playoff spot. So, yeah, that was uh, obviously a big result for both of our teams. Um, I will be going to the LAFC Portland game at the bank 
tonight. We are recording on Wednesday. We will be releasing this tomorrow on Thursday, but I will be going tonight. Hopefully we can get that win. It's a massive game again in the playoff race, Portland. Um, who we can, we can move on to the Portland game actually, which was a, a big result. Um, Portland six to one walloping over Real Salt Lake. Yeah. I mean, really just destroyed them. Um, they they kind of did. I was just going to say they kind of did to RSL what Seattle did to them, where put up a, a huge number on them. But I, I was seeing discussion on, on Twitter after this game about like expected goal models and whatnot. And it was actually relatively even, like two to two almost. So it, Portland, Portland yeah. pulled to Seattle. Yeah, they, they did. I mean, as you say, the, the XG shows it. And even the regular uh, normal stats of, I mean, RSL had two more shots and equal number of shots on target with nine for both and RSL nearly 60% possession. So it doesn't, you don't have to dominate the game to win the game. No, smash by a dominant. Yeah. And I mean, in a dominant fashion as well, um, which, which leaves RSL in seventh place, right in that last playoff space, as, as, as we just said, and it pushes Portland all the way up to fourth place. You know, they started off the season really poor, but they've found form and are just continuing to rise up the table. They have now hopped LA Galaxy, who lost to last place Austin FC 2-0, uh, which is <laughs> – we both like it because um, yep. LAFC and San Jose both have rivalries with the Galaxy. But, I mean, an embarrassing result, honestly, for, for the Galaxy. They shouldn't be losing uh, to, to a team in last place. They had 60% possession more shots, more shots on target. Uh, I mean, every stat goes to them pretty much. So besides 2-0. But yeah, it leaves RSL vulnerable, especially with Vancouver having a game in hand over, you know, both the Quakes and LAFC and and all three of those teams are on 33 points. Vancouver picked up a huge victory um, this weekend as well over FC Dallas, pretty much ruling the Texans side out of the playoff race at this point. Um, you know, obviously they fired their manager recently. There's, there's rumors of Ricardo Pepe going to Ajax, this and that. So not a, not a great time to be a Dallas fan. Yeah. Just on that, on that uh, Pepe note, there's been a lot of interest from a lot of reported clubs. It seems he will be moving on very soon, um, which is a good thing for uh, probably US January fans. Is, is what I would guess. Yeah, I would, I would agree with that. Um, and that, that's, those are all the games that are in the playoff race, but we did have, a big, big game on Sunday between Seattle and Sporting Kansas City at the top of the Western Conference. Seattle pulled out a 2-1 win, which, you know, keeps them in uh, first place, but they, well, they, with, with a game in hand, they, Kansas City were in first place and now they've hopped them with a game in hand. So it's a massive result for uh, Seattle trying to claim that first spot. Yeah, and, and that's all just about seeding, you know, who they play in the first round. At this point, the, the supporter shield is completely wrapped up by New England. You know, they're still 14 points clear of Seattle, despite the fact that Seattle have played three, three less games. So, um, you know, it's still not, I guess, over, over, but, but I would be very shocked if New England don't win it at this point. Right, yeah. So th- that first spot is obviously extremely important. Um, in both conferences because they get that first round by they don't have to play in that first round um, yeah so so they're the sporting kansas city and seattle both really want that it was it is a big it's not like you know 
it's just a seeding thing versus like we're three and four where Portland and, and galaxy just have switched, you know, that's just a seeding thing. Whereas yeah, Seattle yeah, yeah. is, is very big for them to, um, to win that. So with that, I think we can move on from MLS to a very exciting uh, premier league week. Yeah, we'll start with um, the biggest match of the week, Justin. You're Manchester City going to Stamford Bridge. And, uh, you know, kind of a shock result, I'd say, beating Chelsea one goal to nil thanks to a, a Gabriel Jesus deflected effort, which nestled quite nicely in the bottom left-hand corner. Justin, what were your overall thoughts on the game? Yeah, I mean, as you say, it, it might be a little bit shocking. I don't think, I think most neutrals would have expected Chelsea to win this game or at the very least, you know, draw. Yeah, I was um, going to say, I, I'd say probably, you know, I, I think a draw was probably the most expected result, but you'd, you'd think Chelsea would be more likely to win it than, than City were, but, I mean, that was just not the case at all. No, it really wasn't. I mean, I, it, it was really domination from City, from, I mean, maybe from the 10th minute on. Chelsea were all right for the first 10 minutes but after that it was complete city domination i it was a deflected shot obviously that won the game but it was completely deserved the three points yeah. i mean shots 15 to 5 a shots on target 4 to 0 possession that, 60% that's ridiculous zero yeah. shots on target at stanford bridge that's ridiculous yep I mean, it really was a dominant, dominant performance from Manchester City. And it was, uh, as a City fan, obviously extremely fun to watch. Um, it, it, really, it really made me question uh, Chelsea combined with their performance against Juve, which we will get to, um, as far as the, their, their Tuchel ball style of play. It's very effective, but can it work all the time? We'll see. Yeah, moving elsewhere in the Premier League, we'll go to my club quickly as Everton took down Norwich 2-0 at Goodison Park. Um, honestly, a pretty bland game. We opened the scoring uh, through a, a pretty soft penalty on Alan. I know we were debating this, um, and, and it was actually not given and then overturned and given by, by VAR, which I think we both disagreed with. I think had it been given on the pitch, it, you can't rule it out, but I, I was very surprised to see it given after a VAR review. Um, but then Abdullah Decore, you know, took his goal really well, assisted by Damari Gray, who obviously we talk about every single week on this podcast. But um, a reasonable enough performance, and, and the fact that we picked up three points, still missing Richarlison and Coleman and, and Calvert-Lewin, most importantly, um, I, I cannot complain about it. Yeah, I think even without those players, it's a must-win against Norwich, who are still Definitely. unable to pick up any points. And, and you know, Norwich's performance wasn't horrible. They, they just couldn't get their final ball quite right. Um, but I, I think there were some positive signs that come out of it. But the fact that they, you know, still conceded two and we still looked relatively dangerous, you know, playing Solomon Rondon, who, who looks like he hasn't played a match in about five years at this point, um, you know, it's, it's the same old story for Norwich. They, they play reasonably well. They have, like, not horrible performances, but they just cannot pick up results for, to save the life of them. And, you know, that's why basically everyone says that they're already going down. Um, we'll move to one of the, the biggest results of the weekend, which was Aston Villa taking down United at Old Trafford thanks to a Courtney House header 
uh, in the 88th minute. And then, you know, the, the real story was Bruno Fernandez steps up to take a last minute penalty um, and, and just sends it into row Z while Cristiano Ronaldo stands there and watches. Personally, this was my worst nightmare for FPL because I forgot to make my changes, meaning Ronaldo was my captain because I had Captain Bamford the week before. Obviously, Bamford didn't play. Ronaldo was my vice. So when I saw United won a penalty, I was like, oh, yes, I'm going to get a Ronaldo goal. My week is somewhat saved. Nope, Bruno steps up, misses it. I lose uh, two points for that. Just a nightmare for United and for my FPL team. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I have Ronaldo too, but... Uh, I was not uh, disappointed. In fact, I was singing no. the blues. Yeah, um, of course you were. So, yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I mean, it really was a shite house from uh, Aston Villa, pun intended. I mean, United had <laughs> yeah. tw- 28 shots on target. I mean, sorry, 28 shots uh, total, which is... Only I four mean, on target, though. That's a right. pretty shocking well, conversion rate. Right, which tells you how poor United were at breaking down this low block that Ole Gunnar Solskjaer himself has admitted before they have trouble uh, beating a low block. So, I mean, obviously not the result that United were looking for, um, but a a big one for Aston Villa. Yeah, definitely. Big three points for them. They kind of have a lot of momentum right now. We'll see if they can carry that on. Um, going elsewhere, it, it, just an insane game at the Brentford Community Stadium um, when Brentford and Liverpool drew 3-3. Uh, crazy match, Justin. Yeah, it was f- extremely fun to watch. Just Yeah, I only got to watch the first couple of minutes of it because I had other commitments, but I was following along on my phone. I was like, wow, I'm so pissed that I'm missing this game right now. <laughs> Yeah, it just it was one of those games that just went back and forth. Um, obviously, Brentford taking the lead, uh, Liverpool leveling almost immediately, and then taking the lead, and then Brentford tie, and Liverpool take the lead again. It just it, you feel like Liverpool are going to hold on to that lead each time. You know, at two one, at three yeah. two, you feel like it's over, and then here come Brentford. No, it really, extreme. it really. It feels like 2017 Liverpool, you know, when Mo Salah bagged like 32 goals or whatever it was. They were scoring for fun, but they just could not defend to save the lives of them. And, and, and I, like, I am a bit shocked. If you had said Brentford were going to score three goals in this game, I'd be like, whoa. Um, Van Dyke, are you good, bro? Um, what's going no, on? I, I think, no, I really think that that should be a question that's being asked because I don't, in my opinion, I don't think he's the same since he's uh, back from the injury. He hasn't looked as strong. Um, so I don't know. I mean, he's don't get me wrong. Obviously, he's still a top top center back. Yeah. But is he the Van Dyke of previously? I don't know. After that ACL injury, especially as somebody who's gone through it myself, it's not something that's easy to come back from. No, and it's he, definitely like. Sorry, finish. Go ahead. I was, I was just gonna say it's he 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 really worked. I, I have yeah. seen his recovery, and I know he came back in nearly about nine months, which is extremely fast for an ACL. And has been playing like full ninety minutes every single game since he right. came back. Right. So I think maybe it's just you know he's getting back into form. I don't want to you know get on him too quickly, but he does look a little bit you know getting pushed pushed more easily, and uh, you know obviously conceding more goals. So yeah, it's just you know with how ridiculously attacking both their fullbacks is like Trent is a winger. I don't care what you say. He's a winger (laughs) that plays right back because he can't defend. And, and his aerial win rate is like below 20% or something ridiculous like that. Oh, wow. And so it's really is Van Dyke 
you know, even I agree, he's still obviously a fantastic center back, but is he good enough to, to make up for the fact that, you know, the rest of his back line, you know, Matip's been playing reasonably well this season, but Robertson, Alexander Arnold, is he good enough to make up for the fact that, that their defensive abilities are just not their strong suits at all? And, and at this point, it's looking like, you know, just having Van Dyke at the back isn't enough for, for Liverpool to be defensively solid. And, and I've said this earlier in the season where they kept clean sheets against Norwich and Burnley, and I don't think they deserve to keep clean sheets in either of those games. And those are against two of the, like, most attackingly dull teams in the entire league. And, and they got really lucky to not concede in those games. And so now we're kind of seeing, you know, they're papering over cracks and, and they're starting to appear again now. It's a good point because a lot of this is Brentford on the counterattack um, with, you know, Liverpool nearly 70% possession, dominating possession. And so Trent Alexander-Arnold and Robertson as well are very, very high up the pitch when these counterattacks happen. And, it, and yeah, it's obviously. almost on those center backs yeah. to stop them. Yeah. And then obviously uh, you guys play them next week, City that is, um, and yep. that's going to be you know, obviously Liverpool's biggest test of the season so far, I'd say bigger than Chelsea because obviously they, they got to play half of that game a man up. Um, so that will be really interesting to see if you guys can expose them, um, you know, with kind of the pace in behind and whatnot in, 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 in a similar way that, that uh, Brentford did. I, I Obviously, I don't think you guys are going to have 30% possession, but um, <laughs> I, I definitely think there, there is, you know, if, if Pep decides to go with more of a kind of a counterattacking style, I think you guys could be really successful with that. Yeah. I mean, I, I have to say I doubt it because it's just not the way Pep does. If he was going to do it, he would do it against Chelsea, um, which, you know, Juve did today and we can discuss. Uh, but yeah, I mean, he doesn't, he, he loves possession, so I don't see it. And it is at Anfield, you know, so I, I, I would approach it in the same way I approach Chelsea almost and that I would take a draw because it's away. Um, but hopefully I can get a win. I'm more optimistic even against Liverpool than I was against uh, Chelsea because they were in such hot form prior yeah. to that game. Yeah. I mean, since uh, it's at Anfield, Sorry, I was going to say, since it's, yeah. at, it's at Anfield, I, I feel like, you know, kind of going, you know, obviously not like parking the bus or, or playing a low block or anything, but I, I think kind of planning on hitting Liverpool on the break could be really, you know, a good strategy for, for Pep. Um, I think, you know, trying to come at Liverpool and control the game at Anfield, it, it could could leave yourselves a bit exposed at the back, but I guess we'll see what happens. Definitely. It definitely could. Yeah, it definitely could. Uh, and then obviously the uh, another you know the derby game of the weekend uh, yeah. on Sunday the North London derby I mean what a performance from Arsenal it, it was really from the jump yeah on on Spurs I mean I, I haven't seen I mean this is is this Arteta ball because this is incredible if this is what we can get I mean obviously he's struggled a lot and and we haven't seen it but this is the first, I mean, really, really top-class performance I can remember under Arteta. This was a dominant performance from Arsenal uh, from the from the kick to the final whistle, um, uh, especially the first half. Yeah, I, I mean, obviously, you know, all three goals came within the first 34 minutes. But, um, yeah, they, they're just the attacking players, you know, finally starting to click. We know that they have talent in the final third. It's just a lot of times they're, they're really inconsistent. But... I thought Smith Rowe was fantastic in, in the link up, obviously goal and assisted Aubameyang as well. Um, Sokka, we know is, you know, argue, arguably Arsenal's most important player. I, I think from a Spurs perspective, this is just, wow. Um, total flip of the script almost, you know, Spurs were top of the table after three games, but you know, three one nils games that they were, you know, pretty fortunate to win. Um, and, and they just looked so 
uh, devoid of life in this game. Obviously, Son scored a, a consolation goal, but I mean, Harry Kane, what are you doing, man? It's it just such a lackluster performance from him. It arguably could have scored twice, had two really good opportunities, fluffed them both. He just looks a shell of his former self since the failed transfer to your city this summer. And, and if he keeps playing like this and, and, you know, Spurs rely on him to carry them every single season. And right now it's Sun trying to do that almost single-handedly. Like Kane's been completely uninvolved, still hasn't scored a, a goal in the league. Um, and if he keeps playing like this, Spurs are in serious trouble. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I remember th- three games ago um, after match week three, there was a questions, you know, we talked about it on this podcast. Should Arteta go? And I kept saying, let's wait until after the North London Derby, give him those yeah, three games and, and wait, wait till he sees, wait, wait till then we'll see what happens then. You know, there's a couple easy wins and then, and then a big Derby game and he's, He's done it. I mean, there's no questions around it at this moment. Maybe if he turns it, you know, goes back down like a roller coaster, maybe. But the questions are around Nuno now. I mean, at that time, Spurs were first in the league and Arsenal were in last place in 20th. If and, and now Arsenal are ahead of Spurs. So, I mean, it really has just flipped the entire script of, of the season. Yeah, yeah. And I think with that, we will move on to the Champions League, um, where the last two days we've had some really big results. Um, we'll start again, Justin, with your team, Manchester City, this time facing defeat on the road at the Parc des Princes, thanks to goals from Idris Gay and uh, Leo Messi, of course, notching his first for the Parisians. Um, what were your thoughts on this game? Yeah, you know... It's a tough loss, obviously, but it's one that PSG needed a lot more than we did. And yeah, I, th- I believe we were the better side. I-, I think that it's, I don't know, I don't know if smash and grab is really the right term for this because it's not like PSG weren't good, but City were the better side. I mean, the stats will bear that out as well as we, you know, we always point to the stats, but 55% possession, three times as many shots, twice as many shots on target. It- it- wonder goal from Leo Messi, obviously. Uh, the the Idrissa Gay goal was a complete whiff from Neymar that fell to Idrissa Gay, who absolutely buried it in the top bins. I mean, couldn't put that any more upper ninety. Um, I see what you did there. Yeah, but um, but yeah, I mean, I really do believe we were the better side, and it's it's unlucky you're not going to win every game that you're the better side. Um, you, you know, there's going to be moments of brilliance, especially from the best player to ever live. So. It, it was one of those games. Luckily, we didn't need it that much. Luckily, uh, we PSG needed it more than us. Hopefully, we can win the uh, tie, the, the reverse fixture at the Etihad. Yeah, I was just going to say, you know, I agree. City played a very, you know, pep kind of game here. I, I think that, you know, kind of the domination of the ball and whatnot, I think it's because it's City were, were kind of happy, or sorry, PSG rather, were kind of, happy to sit back. I think the fact that they scored so early kind of, you know, impacted the narrative Absolutely. of the game. And, you know, they kind of said, okay, well then break us down, you know, without a striker. Can you put one in the back of the net? The answer was no city. Couldn't uh, somehow like Bernardo Silva, dude, what, how did you, how did he not score? Oh, I have no idea. And, uh, and then, you know, you know, it's, we know that PSG have, you know, that kind of quality 
um, you know, Idris Agea, I wouldn't say is the expected source of, of, of a finish <laughs> like that, but Leo Messi certainly is. And, and you can't really give them any opportunities because they have, you know, the quality, you know, all across the pitch to, to take chances, you know, even from set pieces, we've seen Marquinhos be extremely effective in the past. They can score in so many different ways on you. Um, but yeah, they, I mean, they were happy to, to try and just counter obviously the cohesion between Messi Neymar and Mbappe isn't quite there yet but we're seeing glimpses of that you know Messi's goal you know the, the ball into Mbappe little flick back to Messi first time bangs it in the top corner that's shades of what is to come from this disgusting front three and then you know PSG I still thought they had some you know brilliant performances in midfield despite the fact that City you know controlled most of the game I thought Idrissa Gay, beyond just the goal, was fantastic. Was mm-hmm. just a total nuisance for De Bruyne and, and the rest of City's midfield. And then obviously we know about Marco Verratti's quality and his ability to, you know, take the ball, progress it, and, and spark those counterattacks. So, yeah, yeah. I, I agree. I think City shouldn't be too discouraged by, by this performance. Um, and, and the performance was decent. The result just, just wasn't. But um, I, I think PSG definitely – this is – you know, more what we're going to see from them for the, for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you, you mentioned the the midfields. I mean, I don't think it's up for debate. Kevin De Bruyne didn't have his best game. Uh, no. Bernardo, you, you mentioned missed the, the sitter. Um, and Rodri, I, I mean, honestly, Rodri is probably just tired from Chelsea. He was man of the match for me against Chelsea. I know he didn't get it. Jao Cancelo got it, but he was everywhere against Chelsea. And he was, he was good against PSG, but yeah, I mean, the levels in, in those and the front three as well. I mean, Grealish was really absent against PSG. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, did you see that, uh, that Hakimi yes, shared on, on Instagram, the photo of, of Grealish laying on the ground and Hakimi going right past him. It was funny. Right. I thought it was funny. He did him dirty. People were talking about that. Okay. Yeah, let's move sure on. Grealish, to... Grealish will see that and we'll see. On oh the no, I'm, fixture. I'm sure. Well, well, I mean, if that means, I mean, reverse fixture, but I, I, I more hope so hope that it means that he'll uh, go nuts against Liverpool um, on the weekend. Let's move <laughs> on to one of the biggest upsets in the history of the champions league yep. sheriff to who, you know, we were, you know, bantering them for having a good name, but that they're going to finish dead bottom of the group. <laughs> they won at the Bernabeu. Uh, what? And the, and the winner in the, in the 89th minute from Sebastian Till was an absolute golasso, Justin. It was. Just outside of the foot, swerving into the top bins, into the upper 90, we'll say it again. Uh, a ridiculous game. Real Madrid had 31 shots, and they lost 2-1, to one, and their only goal was a penalty from Karim Benzema. I mean, just the ultimate smash and grab um, kind of captivated the hearts of, of – all of the football world when this happened uh, yesterday, just an incredible result. Um, and I love it as well because, you know, I'm very spiteful of Carlo Ancelotti at this point, And this is hilariously embarrassing for him. I love it. Yeah. I, what a game. I mean, when, when, well, okay. First of all, Sheriff did this against Shakhtar, you know, in, in match week one. And that was impressive enough. I mean, we, we didn't expect them to beat Shakhtar and they went and smash and grabbed uh, there, you know, less possession, less shots in that game as well. And, and you know, won that one, two, zero. And then they go to the Bernabeu and go up one nil. 
And at this point, I still thought, you know, Madrid have been doing this all season. They've been conceding first and then coming yeah. back and winning 2-1. No, they they really They've been have. doing it in La Liga consistently. So I thought, all right, they're going to come back. And then Benzema scores the penalty. Uh, classic. You know, there, here comes the second. And then, yeah. as you say, the, the absolute stunner. I mean, it, it was a moment in world football. It really was. We will not forget this day that Sheriff beat Real Madrid. Sheriff are now top of their group. <laughs> with six points top of the group <laughs> a group which includes real madrid and the current champions of italy in inter milan just insane stuff man insane and that You've goal I, the champions league i could watch that goal all day just the technique on that is just oh so satisfying so beautiful like the level of difficulty to score a goal like that is ridiculously high and he did it you know, the biggest moment of his life. I, I highly doubt he will any he will ever do anything that, that will, you know, live up to a moment like that. Just unbelievable stuff. And I'm not sure who the manager of Sheriff is, but whoever it is needs to get a better job at the end of this run, whatever happens. <laughs> I, I agree. And he probably deserves a, a statue outside of their ground. <laughs> oh, yeah. What? I mean, as you said at the beginning and the opening, an all-time result in the Champions League, an all-time upset. Yeah, unbelievable, unbelievable. And so we'll move to another last. I was just gonna say, yeah, yeah, when when Luis Suarez scored, I saw this his first away goal in the Champions League, and I think it was 26 appearances, which is kind of nuts when you think about it. That but is. he scores a last-minute penalty um, to beat AC Milan at the San Siro, uh, Atleti winning two-one. Um, Rafa Leal scored, opened the scoring uh, in the 20th minute with, with what was a, a really well-taken finish to the bottom left corner. And then Frank Kessie got sent off in the 29th minute, straight red. Um, but Milan still held on all the way until the 84th minute when Antoine Griezmann scored his first goal back for Atleti. Um, and, and then Suarez's penalty in the 97th sealed it um, and, and stole all three points for Atleti. Um, is a big result in this group. Obviously, it, it looks like Liverpool are, are probably going to end up winning the group. They smashed Porto, um, but you know it's kind of between Milan and, and Atleti for that for that second spot. And this is a big result for Atleti to go on the road and beat Milan, who now have zero points and actually are sitting bottom of the group. Yep, they they are. I mean, they have Porto next, if I'm not mistaken. So they're they're the one who hasn't uh, played Porto, but. Um, yeah, I mean, a, a big result for for Atleti. Uh, oh, I'm I'm. Am I wrong on that? No, no, no. no okay. No, Milan um, Milan lost to Liverpool and they lost to Madrid. Yeah. And, and I mean, at this yeah. point, Milan's the only team in the group which doesn't have any points. So if anything, right. Porto's the only team who haven't played Milan, not the other way around. <laughs> well phrased, yes. Um, no, but I mean, I, I was watching this game uh, as well. While I watch, I've been watching s s multiple simultaneous games during these Champions League windows, uh, which does make it hard, but also fun. Um, but yeah, I mean, this was they played really well, honestly. Uh, I mean, obviously very defensively, but it's not like Atleti had a ton of chances. You see that with their shots versus shots on goal. 22 shots, only five of them on target, though, um, compared to Milan with seven shots, three of them on target. So a much and, and they higher... were, you know, they, they had uh, a man advantage for almost. Right. Little, That's yeah. So obviously, minutes. obviously Milan are going to sit back with a man down and they're going to defend a lot more, especially with a one goal lead. Um, as we were describing, even a team as good as PSG was somewhat doing against city. 
Um, but but it worked out all the way until Griezmann. I mean, that that finish from Griezmann was really clinical. Um, yeah. of the volley um, to to beat the to to tie it and then Suarez, of course. Uh, so yeah, a big result. But I thought you were I when you were transitioning from Real Madrid, I thought you were going to transition to the other massive Spanish club being upset. Oh oh well, I mean that was that was today. Not we're still on games from from yesterday. Just real quick note: Griezmann wearing number eight pisses me off so much. Oh, I, hate I agree. It. It's horrible. I agree. And, and then I also I was going to say I would love to know when, when the last time Atletico, Atletico Madrid had sixty five percent possession in a Champions League game was because that is not the Simeone <laughs> style, is it? It really is point. not. It's a good point. It's a good point. But we but we can now transition to that game where another former Everton manager got completely embarrassed in the Champions League. I I love it honestly. I I, I still think you know. Everton rejects probably aren't your best hires, Belgium and Madrid and Barcelona. And not that Ancelotti was, a, was an Everton rejects, but he took us to 10th place, big whoop. Um, but yeah, Benfica beating Barcelona three goals to nil, a brace from Darwin Nunez and, and Rafa Silva scoring in between those two goals. Um, Eric Garcia getting sent off in, in the 87th minute in classic Eric Garcia fashion. Um, <laughs> that I, I love. Mean, former, I mean, he, a former city player who's terrible. Yeah. Oh no, he's do. so. I mean, it's he has the same amount of red cards as he does wins in in the Barcelona shirt. I like that stat. He's so bad, man. He's he's really <laughs> just not good. It's, you you see you see like XG. And I just see on Twitter. Oh, Eric Garcia attacks. I'm like, yeah. yeah His plus right. minus at City. Like when when he would be on the pitch, we would concede like five goals a game. No, I remember that. Like at the, at the like the the back half of or like during project uh, project restart, yeah. I, I recall you guys just hemorrhaging goals while he was playing. Or I think when you guys lost like five one to Leicester at the beginning of last season, I'm pretty sure he was playing that match. Yeah, but I mean, I what are what a what a disgrace from Barcelona. I mean, first of oh, all, Nunez so Nunez should have had a hat trick. He he missed a well, Ter Stegen saved a one v one. It should have been you know a hat trick. It should have been four nil. This was, I mean, a terrible performance. Kuman even after the game, said, I don't know what Barca are going to do about my job. <laughs> I mean, he has to get sacked at this point. Like, I, I, I don't care. I don't care that you lost. Ma- I mean, okay, obviously, I do care that, that you lost Messi, but this is just embarrassing. Like, you, you still look at, the, you know, some of the quality of the players that they have in this team. I mean, Frankie De Jong, I still believe, is one of the best midfielders in Europe. He's so good. But the – but – you know, and I also think Araujo has been, you know, kind of the only saving grace of what is otherwise is just a horrible Barca back line. But like Luke De Jong, what kind of a signing is that, man? I saw he missed two absolute sitters as well. Um, or, and he, or I mean, even if you don't want to call them sitters, there were great chances and he didn't put either of them on target. Memphis is trying to do everything himself. But like poor Frankie De Jong, poor Pedri, they, they deserve better than this. Yeah, no, I mean, I, that's that's the question on the table. Do you sack Kuman? I can't confirm this, but I've heard rumors that it would cost twelve million to sack him. Oh my God, Barcelona! Which which would only put Barca in worst in worst financial position. They are the uh, worst run club. That's insane that they then, uh, have Kuman on uh, that kind of a contract. That's ridiculous. Uh, yeah, another another rumor I heard would be the a potential replacement could be Roberto Martinez, the current Belgium. Uh, and manager. another former Everton manager. What the I know. Hell is... What would you think about that if that were to happen? Would you Again, think that would be a I... good move? No. <laughs> no, I really don't. Because I'd I be surprised Barcelona... Martinez would do it because he has a World Cup coming up in a year. Yeah, no, I, I, I would be as well. Although I think if, if Belgium 
kind of continue on the trajectory of underperforming every single major tournament. He could be out of a job relatively soon, so who knows. But, I mean, Roberto Martinez is not, like, a practical manager, which is what I think Barca, you know, they kind of need someone to steady the ship here and try to just guide them, stay in the Champions League so that they don't, you know, lose even more revenues, which would just Sam be... Allardyce. <laughs> okay, not that practical. <laughs> but the fact of the matter is that Roberto Martinez is a very, like, gung-ho manager and... His problem at Everton was never that we didn't score enough goals. It's that our back line was an absolute disaster. And, and I, I just don't really understand why Barca would go from one manager who doesn't know how to organize a back line to another. So um, it, it doesn't really make sense to me. I don't know why getting sacked by Everton is such a desirable trait in managers nowadays. Yeah, well, let's go from the game where they can't organize a back line to the game where they can. Juventus-Chelsea. Uh, today, 1-0 win for Chelsea. I'm sorry, for Juventus. Uh, Chiesa uh, with a goal 11 seconds into the second half to secure the victory. Um, I mean, this was this was Juve playing Tuchel ball against Tuchel. They, yeah, they, I mean, it was it was a defensive masterclass is what it was. Absolutely was. I mean, it, that's and I mentioned it earlier, it, it gives me a little pause for Chelsea because this is what City face every single week is a low block that they have to break down and they do it most of the time, not every time, but as, as a, as a title contender, you have to be able to do that. You can't play on the counterattack all the time. You're not going to be playing the, the best teams all the time. And so when premier league teams see what you've have done today, I, I mean, I would do the same thing, sit back, make Chelsea possess, make them break you down because they haven't shown that ability at all they have not shown i mean one shot on target the entire game off 74 percent possession yeah that is that is i mean you have created absolutely nothing i mean i, I kept remarking during the game uh Juve just won't let them into their box they would make a no. line at the top of the 18 and re- repel every ball that came even towards that area I, I understand what you're saying about, you know, this is a, a, a way that you can beat Chelsea is by doing what they, you know, did to City in the Champions League final, essentially. Right. But, well, what they um, do to everybody. I mean, that's Tuchel ball. Yeah, yeah. Well, not everyone. They, I still think, you know, they, they have been, like, in, in the games against Palace and Villa, you know, teams. Here's the thing. Here, here's what my main point is. Not every team is going to be, you know, most teams are not going to be as defensively organized as Juve are because the fact of the matter is that, you know, that's what they do in Italy. They defend. That's what Juve have made, you know, have been so dominant through is, you know, they have two fantastic center backs, Bonucci, one of the most experienced center backs in the league and, and Matthias Delict, who had just an incredible game. He was so good. Um, and yeah, I agree. It is concerning that Chelsea, couldn't break them down. Um, and, you know, but the fact of the matter is that this is still a smash and grab. Like, Juve also only had one shot on target. It just happened to get deflected and go in. So yeah, I, well, I, I agree It should that... have been 2-0. It should have been 2-0. Chiesa decided to shoot when he could have passed it to Bernadeschi for a tap-in. So, I mean, yes, but even the chances that Juve created were better, and they did it off 25% possession where it, yeah. on the counter. No, I agree. This is definitely like kind of a model of, of how you can be successful against Chelsea. I, I also don't think that Chelsea are going to be so ineffective um, going forward in, in general. 
also, I don't know, the, the substitutions were, were pretty curious um, from Tuchel, in my opinion. He brought on Ruben Loftus-Cheek and Ross Bloody Barkley, of all people. I was going to say, another Everton mention. Yeah, I mean, it, it was funny because Lukaku has been quoted multiple times saying that his favorite teammate at Everton was Ross Barkley, and now they're reunited. I mean, I think this was Barkley's first appearance of the season, but it, but it was pretty funny. He actually almost assisted him. He played a ball in, Lukaku rolled – um, I believe it was Delict, but then then blasted yeah. it over. I, I think that was Chelsea's best chance of the game. Um, Which honestly, tells you I, how poor their chances were. Not, I mean, it was a pretty decent chance. Like I, I think, like I tweeted, I think Lukaku should probably score that, or, or at least, at least. Put it on target, which which Put it he did on target but, maybe, but I think asking him to score that is just your high standards mm, for Lukaku. I, I, I mean, I don't know, Justin. He was like ten yards out with the ball on his left foot in the box. Like I, I feel like with his quality, he should be scoring that personally, but well, with his quality, exactly. That's what I'm saying with his high expectations, maybe, but it's, it's still a tough finish in my opinion on the turn, but regardless, regardless, it, it was, as you say, a blueprint on how to beat Chelsea. Uh, Juve aren't the, the, are still a top team, obviously not the best team though. So premier league sides may try and replicate it. We will see. We'll see. I just don't know if they have the the organization, but also yeah. like the legs of you know Quadrado and and Chiesa were just covering every inch of of grass on, on the pitch. It was kind of crazy how, how far they were both running um, in those wing spots, getting back, being really uh, compact, but yet still you know Chiesa obviously was arguably the best player on the pitch. Looks so dangerous every time he went forward. So yeah. Absolutely. And we can move on to the Manchester United Villarreal, the rematch of the Europa League final from a season ago. Yeah. Uh, Paco Alcacer opening the scoring uh, in the 53rd minute, putting Villarreal up 1-0. And then Alex Tellez with a beautiful volley. uh, So well struck. Extremely well struck, completely unsighted the goalkeeper. Um, and, and, you know, buried it into the bottom right corner. And then, of course, of course, didn't it have to be Cristiano Ronaldo in the 95th minute with a tap-in uh, well, off okay, the keeper's we hand? Well, okay, tap-in, but it wasn't like a beautiful goal. None of his goals for United thus well, far. That's, have that's what I'll contend. Pleasing to look he at. Has, he has five goals for United, if I'm not mistaken. None of those would be scored with a top goalkeeper. It, and, and to United fans, I'll just say, if you put De Gea in goal, he saves all five. No, I, I mean, De Gea was fantastic, actually. I mean, I think this is this is very harsh on Villarreal. I, I think, you know, yep. especially from what I was seeing on my timeline from uh, United fans, United were not playing particularly well. Um, obviously, the, the Villarreal goal, I think, was honestly deserved. Nobody was really surprised. Came from uh, Arnold Danjuma, obviously the former uh, Bournemouth winger. Um, playing a great ball in it. It's a very clever finish from, from Paco Alcacer. Um, but then, yeah, just I guess it was just two moments of – I mean, I wouldn't even say that, that Ronaldo's goal was quality. Alex Tellez's goal was obviously quality, and that was just, you know, United have more talent than Villarreal do. That's, you know, not a question, obviously. And, and then 95th minute, honestly, it was kind of disappointing uh, defending from Pau Torres, who was kind of waiting for uh, Ruli to – come in and claim the ball he didn't um i think it was greenwood who ended up putting a foot in or something 
and then it came out to Ronaldo and, and he just beat Ruli, who was still scrambling to get up, beat him at the near post, hit him in the hand. Yeah, it, it's but the thing is that Ronaldo's job isn't to score pretty goals. His job is to score crucial goals, and that's what he's been doing. And he continues to do it in the Champions League his whole career, no matter what team he's on. It's it's really is impressive, and yeah, it was it was Lingard who was you know had that touch. Oh, okay, so yeah. assist assist to Lingard. Again, he's keeps coming in clutch, whether it be for United or against United. Yeah, I, I still think I don't know United. I think are living on on a, on a real timer in the Champions League. I think it's only a matter of time until you know. I, I wouldn't be surprised honestly if they finish like second in the group and then get drawn against like Bayern or someone and then just get hammered in the first round. That's kind of what I'm predicting. Yeah. They're sitting in third place right now. So we'll see. I, I, I tweeted out, um, would United failing to get through the Champions League group for the second consecutive season, would that be a sackable offense for all I Solskjaer and, uh, the results, um, as of now, 20 votes, 85% of people are saying yes if United don't get through the group. I would hope uh, so. I saw people yeah. tweeting that United that he should be sacked if he lost this game. Yeah, I mean, that was at 1-0 down is when I tweeted yeah. that. Obviously, looking a lot less likely that they don't get through the group now that they picked up the three points here. Honestly, this was a huge three points for United to it really know, was. stay afloat. It really, really was. Group. Um, do we think young boys are – I mean, young boys are, are going to keep up I guess I mean they're one. They lost to one Atalanta game. Was this it, morning. Was a smash and grab? Yeah, I mean I think Atalanta are arguably the best team in the group at the moment. Just I don't know. United have had two very lackluster performances. Obviously lost the first one, and then today they managed to to scrape three points somehow. Um, but yeah, I'd, I'd be a bit concerned if I were a United fan. And you know, it's still the questions around Ole aren't going to go away anytime soon, in my opinion. Especially obviously losing to Villa and then. Uh, losing to West Ham in the Carabao Cup as well at home. Absolutely. And I think with that, we can conclude uh, after covering all of that, all of those games that we, uh, with our late thing, but we will be back on Tuesday on our normal time, yeah. uh, releasing our next episode. So we will, we will get back on that schedule. Yeah, thank you all for listening. Please remember to follow us on Twitter at U90Football. That's U90Football. We will see you all at our normal time on Tuesday. Have a great weekend.